Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about lessons from the coffee shop moms, stolen elections equals house on fire, politicos don't lecture us, and Ukraine and FTX dem corruption on steroids. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. So last Friday, I went out to a, a, a coffee meeting. I met a friend I hadn't seen in a long time, one of my besties. We met at a coffee shop uh, in North Texas. And it was a, it's a very small town and it was very rainy, very cold, as it is today. It's actually quite wintry here for us here in Texas. But that, this past Friday, this little tiny coffee shop in this little tiny town I met a friend for coffee, and at the next table, we sat there talking, catching up, naturally about politics, but we sat there talking. At the very next table, uh, or group of tables, a bunch of moms had gathered. They were kind of uh, pushing the, the chairs together, you know, so every time another mom would walk in with holding a baby, they'd all shuffle their chairs around some more. It ended up being at my last count, at least 14 moms sitting there. It was obviously Friday morning coffee. It was, a, it was a play group for moms. And all they did really was sit there in this coffee shop and, and all each had a baby. I mean, a really sweet little baby. And these were not, you know, the Hollywood beautiful moms with perfectly coiffed hair. They were like authentic and real. And they were really, um, it was just kind of heartening to see. It was heartening to see the uh, joy, the enthusiasm. They were all kind of gushing over each other's babies and, you know, talking about mom things. Any of you who've gone through having children, you know, at that point, especially none of them had an older kid with them. So I'm thinking a lot of these are first time moms in this little town. They sat there and they talked, I'm telling you, an hour and a half easily. And I had a couple of thoughts about them as I was sitting there. My friend and I, uh, who's, you know, my, our kids are, you know, young adults. My husband and I have young adult children, and my friend has kids in high school, so a little bit younger. But in any case, we were just noticing a couple of things about these women I wanted to share because it really ties into why I do this show and really, more importantly, why everyone should care about politics so much. When I say politics, I don't mean the nasty, you know, back and forth jabs made by candidates, elected officials. I mean the process by which we elect our country's leaders, and I mean the, the policies we put in place. So these moms were just, you know, the, the idea of even having a child, you would only have a child um, as an adult if you thought the world was kind of going to be okay. Things were going to be okay in the future. America was still going to be America. You'd be able to put food in the table. You'd have a safe and secure community. You would have a potential for good education and, and a prosperous life. I mean, it's having a child is an act of hope, an act of trust in the goodness of America's future. So this was a positive sign because, you know, right now, if you listen to a lot of the um, lunatic left uh, thinking about America, you know, that the left goes out of their way. They're, they're down on families. They're down on the f nuclear family unit. They are down on, uh, you know, a lot of leftist women. The feminists are down on motherhood. They're down on being traditional moms, staying at home. I mean, the whole, and this is kind of reinforced real America, heartland America, filled with women like this, women who obviously mostly stay home with the baby and got to have a great morning out. It sounded because they were saying things like, great to see you this week, glad you made it. I think they do this once a week. And maybe when it's nice out, they meet in a park and let the kids play, but it was a really rainy morning. But the other more serious point I wanted to make about this is, these women sitting in that coffee shop, what I got thinking about, and my friend I was meeting with is very politically active also, is how much do these women understand about what is happening to their country? How much do they even remotely comprehend what is occurring? And I'll just give you a, a short list of what I mean by that. Do they realize 
that the very promise of America found from the very founding of our country, the idea of we the people are the sovereign, and the idea that we have in our country the right to hold elections, that the people get to choose their leaders, and if they don't like their leaders, they get to change them. Do they realize that the 2020 election was stolen, and, and honestly, everyone paying serious attention knows this, and that this was this past Friday. So it was three days after the midterm elections last week, last Tuesday. Do they realize the midterms were stolen? I'm gonna get into this, the second segment uh, this morning, just a few, today, just a few minutes, but do they even realize that they live in a country where there's no longer free and fair elections? Do they realize that the southern border, and we're in Texas, the state of Texas, is utterly open? That their own government is not just a little bit, tiny bit negligent and failing to completely enforce the border, but they are, through left-wing policy, starting back from the first term of Barack Obama, encouraging people to make the trek north from Central and South America to come into America's southern border there and that the border at this point is completely unguarded. I mean, we have people down there who've got a job, a border patrol, but you can go down. Many people go down and watch and report. People just pour across the border. Drug traffickers, human traffickers, sex traffickers, gang members, jihadists, not just from a few countries very near geographically to America, but from countries around the world. We have literally abandoned the sovereignty of America right now. Do these moms know this? Do they have any idea how much the presence of now millions and millions of illegal aliens in this country, many of whom have criminal intent in their heart, do they realize how much it's going to change their children's lives? Do they realize that the schools they may send their children to are going to be teaching the children to turn on America, teach them critical race theory, to judge other Americans by the color of their skin, to judge America itself under terms that they would describe America as faulty from the founding, the, the, the entire uh, school system having been just flooded with 1619 Project, Black Lives Matter mentality, which encourages people to hate the American founding, to hate the idea of America, to think the idea of America is actually a really bad idea. Do they realize their children grow up being told that socialism and communism, the most evil ideologies on the planet, are actually the ones America should pursue? Is that what they want for their children? I could run through a long list of issues where I'm going to tell you, you could not see in the eyes and the faces and the smiles and the laughs of all of those women at that coffee shop, they have no idea what's happening in this country. And kind of compounded with that. So these are women, and these are moms. And you know, I was, I remember having, we had three kids right in a row. I mean, it was a kind of our plan as parents. We had three kids very, very close in age. It's a busy time when your kids are little and you don't have a lot of time to spend reading newspapers, scouring the internet, reading stories, uh, checking out somebody, so-and-so's substack. Your life is consumed with being a mom. But there's an unspoken trust those women have that the people in charge of our country are really doing the right thing. That more or less, the people running the state of Texas and every other state, and people running the government in Washington, they actually are preserving and keeping intact America, the unique, the extraordinary, and the great. And at this time in American history, that is a deeply misplaced trust. I, I feel deeply concerned about those women and about the millions of other Americans too busy trying to work two jobs, keep food on the table, keep their kids in line, make sure they get to school on time, that they do their math homework, that they make it to baseball practice and all the other things the kids might do. Do they really, they don't have time and they may not even have yet the concern that would cause them to think, I, I better step back and look at what's happening to my country. Where are we headed? We, we are already over the cliff to socialism in this country. We're not, the, the communist socialist movement in America is no longer a little tiny movement in the lunatic left. It is mainstream Democrat party ideology. Do they know that? And I'll tie, I'll wrap up the first five by saying this. The reason I do this show is because I truly believe and I, I feel as sure as I'm sitting here talking to you that the vast majority of Americans do not want the agenda 
do not want the goals, the policy goals, do not want the country that will result if the Marxist left in this country continues to grow in power, continues in power. We have in Washington right now a president, a majority House and Senate who are committed to the Marxist left ideology, committed to the destruction of the freedoms promised and the rights promised in the Bill of Rights, committed to the destruction of free speech, committed to the growth of totalitarian, tyrannical government in Washington that is now going to control more and more of what you do, committed to the radical climate agenda, which will take all of your freedom away, committed to a whole host of ideas that will make will cause ruin and misery in America. And I, I do this show because I, I'm raising the alarm bell. I am trying to lay out stories for you, explain issues to you, bring experts on to explain to you that what is happening to this country, and there are millions and millions of Americans who are awake, to be really clear, millions of Americans are awake. They do recognize what's happening to this country. It's why you have more activism than you've ever had before. It's why you have parents showing up at school boards in unprecedented numbers and at county commissioner courts and all sorts of other places. You have parents and people speaking up because they're starting to see the America that they grew up loving, the promise of the America that's supposed to be founded on the extraordinary, unique, important ideas in the Declaration of Independence and enshrined in the Constitution. That very America, the real America, is slipping away. Is slipping away because too many Americans have allowed the left to grow in power, in, in mission, in control, and all of a sudden people are becoming alert if they haven't been already to the idea we really could lose freedom in America because that is the path we are on. And that is why I do this show to raise the alarm bell, to encourage more people to understand, to see the bigger picture, to understand the bigger picture that we are on the precipice of losing America, but it still can be saved. It requires each and every American to pick up your job, your task, your lane, what you know about and care about, get on the bandwagon to save this precious country. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. So I said at the start of the show, I was going to talk about stolen elections equals house on fire. You know, I I've had many, many guests on this show on many, many topics. We've had experts on climate and tax policy and the military and the border and, and social spending, just, just a whole a wide array of issues we talk about in the show. COVID and healthcare policy and healthcare freedom and socialized medicine. We cover all sorts of issues. But the reason I call this stolen election equals a house on fire, I do want to make the analogy, if you, you, know, if you had a home, if you own a home or you live in a home, and you had numerous issues going on, and, and you suddenly discovered the house is on fire, you would know that's the issue to solve first, because the house will burn down and be all gone. Getting stolen, stolen elections are a house on fire issue. Exposing and explaining election fraud is, and, and correcting it is a house on fire issue. It, house on fire is one way to say it. Another way is if you own a car, you're about to get in a car, and they tell you the brakes don't work, you, you wouldn't get in the car. You wouldn't drive because you know it is lethal. You can't drive a car without brakes. So you would get the brakes fixed. You might let it go if the left blinker is not working or the front right headlights out. You might, okay, okay, I got to fix that. Those are fixable, but not immediate danger. But when the brakes aren't working, you know, that's immediate danger. In America, exposing so more people understand, explaining, and then correcting, fixing, stopping stolen elections is a house on fire, brakes don't work issue. If you don't fix that, because where we are right now, th then everything's gone. Where we are right now, I'll just remind you here, we had the midterms in, uh, in the America. You know, tomorrow will be one week ago. Just by way of contrast. So what we know right now, we don't have all election results yet. And that, again, is by intent. That's by, there's no reason in the world that every single election in America was not announced definitively by the end of election day last week. But it wasn't. It wasn't. We don't, we have election day, uh, you know, still, we're still counting, got to count again, you know, all sorts of things, especially in Arizona. But let me just remind you, I did this last week, so this is a shortened version, but please keep this in mind. In Barack Obama's first term, 
when people finally realized in 2010 how radically Marxist Barack Obama is, when the American people had their chance to get to the polls the very first time Barack Obama entered the uh, U.S. presidency in 2000, start of 2009, he won the 2008 election, he's in 2009, you know, he had a majority in the Senate and a majority in the House of Democrats. So he can, and he did, he, he, as leftists always do, bulldoze through their radical leftist policies. When the American people finally had a chance to speak up, they spoke up in 2010, and there was a massive, massive net gain of 63 seats for the House, for the Republicans in the U.S. House. 63 seats, largest shift in seats since the 1948 elections. The American people, this was the primal scream of the American people in 2010 saying, we don't like anything Barack Obama's doing. Stop, 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 stop. They gave power to the party that was going to stop this Marxist agenda. Well, that was Obama's first term. Then we had Obama's second term, where we are right now under uh, he who occupies the White House, Joe Biden. We're in President Obama's third term. This is the third term. He is pulling the strings. He's orchestrating. And the American people, in my opinion, showed up on the primary, on the, uh, in, in midterm elections a week ago tomorrow, last week, November 8th, the American people showed up just like they did in 2010. It's just that the results reported didn't show that. The reports were actually, oh, look, only Florida. Uh, who knew? And everyone tries to go, oh, my gosh, you know, if DeSantis, it's because of great changes he made in the laws and because DeSantis is a popular guy and DeSantis is not Trump, blah, blah. So Florida, the red wave that was widely predicted only really happened in Florida or so the reporter results go. My view, and I, I, I feel as sure of this as I'm sitting here talking to you, there was a red wave this past November 8th, just like there was in 2010. I don't mean the exact numbers. I mean the American people tried to turn out and show up and say no to everything Obama and his third term is doing. By the way, back to 2010, in addition to that massive turnover of the U.S. House, Republicans also uh, had a net gain of six governor seats, six gubernatorial seats. Remember, they weren't even all, they're never up, all up in the same election cycle, so that was huge. Flip control of 20 state legislatures, giving a, a significant majority to the Republicans. So the people show up. I believe the people show up this past Tuesday. And before I dive into more of that, I want to talk about some of the, uh, something that happened last night that I was, I was really telling. So last night, my husband and I went to an event. It was a private event, pretty small event. It was actually related to Israel. Uh, my husband's business partner is an Israeli citizen. We do a lot of things in support of Israel. Uh, we, and, and so anyway, so we went to this, this um, Israeli-related event. So it was at a private home. During the course of the evening, the, the host, the husband and wife, each of them, because they know what I do, they know about the show, privately pulled me aside and said, what happened on Tuesday? Do, do, do you think everything's going to be okay? Are we going to stand up? They both were fully aware, and, and without my saying a word, fully aware that the election of 20, the midterm this year, 2022, was stolen. They want, what they're really asking is, who's going to stand up? Who's going to fight? And then the most amazing thing was there was a woman at this event who grew up in the Middle East. She, I'm not, I'm very careful about her identity because she's got a fatwa against her actually. And so this woman from the Middle East was there and she is a former Muslim, now Christian, and she speaks up about all what radical Islam intends to do. She walked up to me, every time she ever talks to me, we talk about Israel or we talk about her work trying to expose the dangers of radical Islam. First thing she had to say, she goes, I grew up in the Middle East. I can tell you that the Middle East long ago lost fair elections. Long ago lost fair elections. She said, you think, and she said, not just Middle East, all over. You think they actually elected Saddam Hussein? And she went through a whole list of other leaders in the Middle East saying, you think the people actually elected these people? No, they didn't even elect Putin. She said, all that happens is that the people who have control, they've got their person in charge. They've got the person that runs the country. They hold elections. The people rally, they show up, they try to throw off this government, they try to change things, and they announce a winner. Oh, look at this, Saddam Hussein won again. Look at this, Putin won again. She said, 
this kind of vote theft, absolute loss of fair elections, has arrived in America. Do you realize that? That was what she had to say to me. <laughs> I mean, and she's not, and so this is, I'm telling you from an outsider's perspective, and I, I want to encourage you, if you listen to the show very often, I have had experts on, I've had Dr. Douglas Frank explaining how he can break down by algorithmic prediction the turnout everywhere in the country. He has exposed the, that an algorithm is used to tabulate votes. So the vote totals you see reported on election day are a complete farce, a myth. His data has been presented all over this state to all sorts of leaders and all over this country, to governors all over this country. It is irrefutable. He can't, because he's not, he's not even talking about you know, R versus D or, or, or whatever, conservative and liberal, he's talking the entire election outcome data is driven by an algorithm. So we have that information. And we've had in this show, of course, people talking about 2,000 mules. We had Catherine Engelbright talking about what she turned in, what she gave to Dinesh D'Souza, which was the, the use of the mail-in ballots as a massive means of election fraud. We had Seth Keschel this past Thursday talking about how, you know, in this past election, this most recent midterm in 2022, there is no way the results reported are in any way consistent with all of the data he analyzes. It's not just slightly anomalous, it's absurd. And I'm getting around to saying, I will have Dr. Douglas Frank on again, I'll have other election people, but I want you to, I want to raise the conversation above just data point proof about this, data point proof of this, to the larger point to make that if you can't figure out elections are stolen in this country, the left is using the elections to slowly gain power, to slowly shut down freedom in this country, to slowly shut down the people, shut down the free elections, then you're not paying attention. You have to trust your gut instinct. You watch 2020, Trump rallies everywhere around the country, massive Trump boat parades. Trump, I mean, just everywhere you look, every chance Trump supporters, and it wasn't because they loved Donald Trump personally. They loved his message of America, resurrection of America's place in the world, restoration of freedom, restoration of free markets, you know, mocking and ending socialism in America. They loved his celebration of America. In 2020, Biden couldn't be found because he's hid out in the basement. And somehow America is supposed to believe Biden got the most votes of any president ever in American history. And everyone with a brain knows that didn't happen. It didn't happen. So we let that go. So now we have the midterms. We are again, among the many points I want to make today is in the midterms, Look at the absurdity. Look at all of the red wave polling. Everyone's saying it's going to happen. And somehow the only red wave was in Florida, which I will get to in a moment. And the rest of it all petered out. Biden is supposedly going to have a majority Democrat in the Senate. He's going to have a Democrat majority. He's going to continue his steamrolling destruction of freedom in America, his wrecking operation of the very country of America with the help of, the Demo of a Democrat Senate. House majority still in contention, but as you watch race after race after race after race, you realize when they stall counting, they say, well, they've got to count again. Turns out new ballots showed up. We got what you're watching is a slow rolling theft not just of midterm election 2022, but of America itself. And the only person I hear speaking up, actually calling it out, is former President Donald Trump. I, I will be calling out shortly other elected officials who always claim that they are part of wine to expose things. But I just want to tell you some of the um, recent techniques in this most recent election, the recent techniques, I mean, there's electronic manipulation of voter tabulation software. There is the use of adding people to the poll books. And, and, and I have a, a, an unbelievable story I want to share with you uh, about that right now in Dallas County. So on this uh, midterm election day, 2022, you know, if you haven't worked elections, I very quickly explain, because I used to be an election judge. I've been a poll watcher, I've been an election clerk, I've done all the jobs a million times, precinct chair, all that. 
So when you get a poll book, you are the election judge, you get a bunch of computers, kind of like this little iPad. You get computers, and in that are the poll books. And that means the county provides you with a list of all the voters who are supposedly registered in a timely manner to vote in that election. So you have, And the poll books are a problem because many of them contain voter, voter registration rolls where they never clean them out. They've got people who live in cemeteries, people who live in other states. I mean, the, the, poll, the, the voter rolls themselves are overstuffed. But you have poll books, which are the voters who are eligible to vote that day. So you go in to vote, as I did. You're in to vote. They say, oh, your name is Debbie George S. Yes. You still live at blah, blah, blah. They ask you to recite your address. You say yes. So they look at the poll book. Then they hand you. You sign off on a sheet. They hand you. They stick a sticker on. You sign your name that you're, you're signing. And yes, I came in this day and I voted. And I had my ID. That's why I got to vote. And I voted. What happened, the mind-blowing thing I want to share with you and let you think about the consequence of this. So in Dallas County, just our little Dallas County, this is one of the many tricks used in this last election cycle to steal this election. So poll workers are sitting there with their little poll books. That is information provided by the, the uh, county election department. And about 10 minutes before closing, so near the end of the day, the law in Texas says you have to close the polls by 7. That's just the way it is here. So they're sitting watching their poll, their poll books, and they've got in front of them, of course, all the people who signed in to say, yeah, I voted. And they're watching new voters electronically being added to the poll books as they sit there. No one in the room is doing this. No one at the location is doing this. There's new voters being loaded to the poll books on election day within 10 minutes of the polls closing. And fortunately, many of the election clerks, election judges said, hey, wait a minute, something crazy is happening here. And so one of them took a little video so you can actually see it. But others, many of them wrote affidavits, a signed affidavit saying, I'm going to tell you exactly what happened. And they explain that literally voters, by the way, I believe the allegation is voters who were, who were shown in the poll book to have voted, like, because when you check in or I check in, they check up, okay, Debbie, George Addis King, okay, check off, so I'm checked off in the book, in, in, the, in the electronic poll book. So if I showed up two hours later and tried to vote, they say, no, you already voted two hours ago. These people are showing up in the poll books as though they voted at the end of the day, new people. And my, one of my friends working on this, trying to expose this, they now have 30, three zero affidavits signed by election clerks saying, yeah, I'm sitting here looking at my poll book and they're adding names. No one here, this is being added electronically, who knows how. So it's going to be investigated uh, and probably have someone on the show very soon talking about this because it's right here in Dallas County. Just one technique. Uh, and by the way, quickly I'll say for our listeners, if you're on radio, if you're on Brightian Radio, first of all, Brightian Radio, thank you for carrying this show. I want to encourage you. This is Debbie Georgiatis. My show is America Can We Talk. And you can go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org. And you can always on that, on our website, watch the show live. You can, uh, you can go back to it later. We have all our past interviews, shows, blog posts, everything's on our website. So go there. But I want to tell you a few other tricks that went on this website and in this most recent election, um, debacle of 2022. Um, another one is that there's a great, uh, distinction being made uh, now, which is important, an important distinction being made between the way Republicans think about elections and Democrats think about elections. And that has to do with this idea of Republicans are always tracking down voters. We're keeping tabs of how many voters can we turn out, how many voters in this uh, region didn't turn out yet. And, and Democrats or anybody else who's uh, uh, interested in cheating, they focus on ballots. They want more ballots to count. So they want to have inflated voter rolls. They want people available to attribute ballots to. So, and so this is ballots versus voters, two different things the two parties are measuring. Uh, great piece on Conservative Treehouse is linked at our website today, americacanwetalk.org, on the homepage under shows, drop down list of links. Um, 
you can read this one article. This one happened to be called How Wisconsin Street Fighters Disrupted a Democrat Ballot Gathering Scheme. So um, I'll quickly interrupt again for my radio listeners. You're going to go off to a break at the bottom of the hour for three minutes. Do not go away. I'll be right here talking with you right when you come back to America Can We Talk. Okay, so in Wisconsin, one group decided, you know, some people who actually want fair elections got after the idea that we're going to work within this uh, system, which has become uh, a source of abuse of the election process called the, the ERIC, E-R-I-C system, in which basically it is existed to make sure that uh, voter rolls, um, it's, it's a voter roll assistance project, but actually it, it, it it allows the states to protect phantom voters, non-existent voters, people whose name are in the rolls, but they don't really exist. But they can use them. When you are the one manipulating the election, you can use these phantom voters to cast votes, especially when you have a whole bunch of mail-in ballots which have been mailed out. And so in Wisconsin, this one strategy group, and this was actually pulled together uh, by Mike Lindell, um, who's got a, uh, a program that he's putting in place to start in Wisconsin, Fractal, F-R-A-C-T-A-L, Fractal Programming, Wisconsin team basically created some tension within the uh, election department by going, by examining voter rolls and pointing out all these people in here, but they, they, they need to be removed. They don't exist. I don't want to go more into that now, except to say it's really important to understand people are pushing back. But I also want to explain something happened in Arizona. And on the subject of Arizona, um, Arizona is ground zero for election fraud. I mean, it's sad that I'm sure they don't want to be known for that, but they are ground zero for election fraud. And I'll, I'll tell you what I, I, what I think happens in Arizona in just a moment. But on the subject of Arizona, you know, you had in Arizona, you know, the only race that hasn't been called, I'm pretty sure, at least as the time this show started, was Carrie Lake. Carrie Lake running for governor in Arizona against this, this mousy, George Soros-funded Secretary of State, Katie Hobbs, and Carrie Lake clear, you know, Again, kind of like when Trump ran, big crowds, lots of lots of enthusiasm for her and, and this Democrat, current Secretary of State, as is running for governor. So Carrie Lake hasn't been called. But in Arizona, uh, every other race has been called for the Democrats. The Secretary of State, uh, this guy Fontas, receded, allegedly defeated uh, Mark Fenchin. Uh, Arizona Senate race, Mark Kelly, allegedly defeated Blake Masters. So the powers that orchestrate elections are deciding they're going to give the Democrats all of these seats in Arizona. They're still counting as to Carrie Lake, and they think in that case they might be a little worried that people won't believe it if they claim that she didn't win. But in any case, I want to go to a, um, a video to show you uh, what is goes on in Arizona because they had a fiasco of an election day. And before we go to that video, I'll quickly tell you, actually, let's go ahead and play the video. These are Arizona voters. The entire video I could have played is like 30 minutes long, 30 minutes long, voter after voter after voter doing video affidavits, essentially saying what happened to them. Let's roll that tape on Arizona. Steve Handelin at 530 in the morning on November 11, I was number nine in line at the Anthem Outlet Center for voting. At six when it opened, we were admitted, I got a ballot and I voted. And when I went to put it in the tabulator, to my great surprise, what I found was a line of 20 or more people waiting to put their ballots in the tabulator. One of the tabulators was broken and the other tabulator kept rejecting everyone's votes. As a consequence, everyone who was outside of the voting area was not allowed in because there wasn't room for that many people. We were given a choice. They would take your uh, ballot and put it in a box for later, or they would mark it as no good, and you could get a new ballot and try it again in the voting machine, in the tabulator. I did the latter, and I was lucky. Mine got through my second vote, but I saw a lot of people whose second and third votes did not get through, and when I left, there were still probably a block and a half or two blocks of people waiting in line at 7.15 in the morning. Stano, sending a message regarding my experience um, at the voting polls. I went to the Deer Valley Airport and when, upon arrival, you know, none of the machines were, were reading very well. Uh, there, was, there must have been 30, 40 people deep in the lines. So I um, ended up asking how I could expedite my experience with being there because the readers 
weren't working and one of the workers had indicated that the printer may not have been printing properly which uh, affected the reading so uh, she had assured me that if I did the um, up the computer that it would read the barcode or the the I think it's called the QR code so I did my uh, voting on um, where they do uh, for I think handicap or accessible people and it read uh, the first time but I can tell you it was there was a lot of um, disruption I would say with frustration where people putting in multiple multi as I was standing there watching um, you know some people you know after three four five six attempts it may or may not have taken it and it was just it was crazy uh, for whatever that's worth that's my experience you know with voting I, we can cut him off there are I don't know how many people are on the video but I mean dozens of people trying to say here's what happened in Arizona lines were long they arrived in Maricopa County which is the, the just an endless source of suspicion and fraud and, and terrible behavior by election officials and the lines were long and the people were told I don't know what's going on but the the tabulators aren't working so you're hearing them describe you finished voting your pride put in it wouldn't count it and then the people were told instead of tabulating their ballot directly the voters were told, just put the ballot in a box under the tabulator, and the ballot will be tabulated later. Well, fortunately, many election officials in Arizona, including the chairman of the Arizona GOP, are putting out you know, tweets, don't do it, don't do it, don't. I mean, this is leaving the ballots in the hands of the election people whom no one trusts. And so you had just fiasco after fiasco. You had people turned away because they couldn't wait long if they had to go to work. Tabular is not working. Tabulature is not working in 30% of the precincts in Maricopa County. And by the way, in Arizona, I'm pretty sure I was reading, it was Arizona, there was no problem with the tabulators during early voting. But all, but all of a sudden now, you know, election day, and the, and the, which are which are when Republicans vote, everyone knows Republicans vote uh, far more on day of election, uh, Democrats vote ahead. Anyway, so it's still unsettled, and this is a this is we are watching this massive effort to manipulate elections. I mean, I'm I'm tired of running through example, and here's how they do it, and here's how they do it, here's how they do that. If you can't understand what is happening to our country we are watching election thieves election fraud manipulators just steal elections right in front of our faces looking right in the camera go, oh no it's just that who knows why the tabulators wouldn't work 30 percent of the precincts hey who knew another thing that happens you know, we talked in the past about ballot harvesting and ballot harvesting is illegal in many states now including arizona so ballot harvesting is when they send the state or the election department sends out a bunch of ballots and then someone goes around and collects all the ballots especially in senior citizen centers where the people didn't even know they're registered or whatever reason that they, they get their hands on ballots and they can fill in a ballot or a hundred ballots and just slap them as they did in the last election cycle put them into the drop boxes well arizona outlawed um the they actually outlawed ballot harvesting but now it's got a different term which is okay which is ballot submission assistance programs so you can't ballot harvest but you can engage in ballot submission assistance programs it's the same dang thing you're allowed to turn in 10 ballots i mean people once you understand, I go back ideologically to where the left is. Leftist mission in life. Since Marx, Lenin, Stalin, every leftist evil leftist in this world, their, their idea and their mission is they must take control of the people. They must suppress the people. They must cause the people to lose belief in their ability in self-governance. They must make people helpless. They must control the people. They must hold the levers of power economically, politically, legally, every way. The mission of leftists, the last thing they ever want, is for you, the individual, to live in freedom. So in that leftism mindset gets to elections in this country, all they, they are perfectly willing. And I should say, to be really fair to everybody, there are Republicans holding office in this country who likely got there due to election fraud and who also do nothing to stop it, nothing to expose it, nothing, just don't do anything. They let it go on. 
They let it go on. When you see all of the ever evidence that's gathered around this country, all, I mean, the, the 2000 Mules film was, it should have been enough to get every elected person of both political parties who believes in fair elections up in arms, demanding that things change, ending all mail-in ballots, having only a tiny limited number of ballots permitted to be even cast via mail. Pretty much only our, our foreign, our military people who serve abroad. There should, but we should have, we should have seen people leaping into action after this most recent election cycle. When you see the red wave happened in Florida, which I'll get to in a moment, and nowhere else, the answer should not be the idiotic answers we got from some Republicans making excuses. The answer ought to be we have to stop this election fraud. We have to bring out the truth. There's too much evidence all out there in the world to be seen and too few people willing to speak up about it. So we have now, um, you know, we have elections where they're claiming that in Arizona of all places, you know, Carrie Lake, who, uh, you know, that she was kind of close, maybe going to get it, maybe not, don't have the answer yet. I think they're afraid of her there. But, you know, let me point out, since they let all the other Democrats have the victory in Arizona, I don't mean they won. They didn't win. They were declared the winner by the people people who control elections. So now they're in control in Arizona. And just picture for a moment, even if Carrie Lake were to win, they had, they had to give an announce she won. Everyone surrounding her, all the elected officials around her are going to stymie, stop, and stall her at every single step of the way. I, I can't urge you strongly enough. I understand that in the past, people would make allegations of election fraud and they would kind of be popping off, sounding off. But at this point, you have to have your head in the sand and, your, and, and plug in your ears to boot to try to say, to say with any, with a straight face, there's no outcome changing election fraud. That, that the, the only way you could, the men, only mental place you could be is someone who stuck your head in the sand, your fingers in your ears and said, I don't see a thing. I don't hear a thing. I think it's fine. We have overwhelming evidence. And just, I urge you as my listeners, just to think practically. Do you think the person in 2020 who had massive support everywhere he went, boat parades everywhere, massive support, massive rallies put together in two days notice and thousands of people showing up, that's the guy who lost and the guy who can't utter a complete sentence without stumbling, the guy who ran, had no rallies and the few small appearances he attempted, nobody came. You think that guy got the most votes ever in American history. It just, it just, you know, defies reason. So I want to, I, I, I hit on this issue about election fraud a lot. I mean, because as I say, it, it's, it's that the house on fire issue. If you can't fix election fraud, nothing else matters. You can convince everyone in America to vote for conservatives or vote for just patriots. Vote for people who want fair election. Vote for people who believe in having a border of all, of all things, who believe in freedom. And if the election manipulators aren't stopped, nothing you do, no level of turnout, no level of activism, no level of speeches and door knocking and everything else Republicans do is going to matter. To get rid of election fraud, we have to get rid of the voting machines and everything else electronic associated with voting. Everything electronic, everything electronic can be hacked and has been hacked. I mean, that, that's, I don't know how else to say it. I mean, you, I mean, talk about just beggaring belief. You actually think that the people of Pennsylvania elected a guy to the Senate who had a serious stroke and can barely speak. Fetterman, Fetterman was uh, supposedly, and I, I, I'm aware Mehmet Oz wasn't the favorite of conservatives. Um, you know, he did get Trump's endorsement. They had a better candidate there, but whatever. The people of Pennsylvania got behind Fetterman? I, no, it's, I, it just didn't happen. And I'll tell you where I, I place the blame. I'm gonna hit on my next story in just a minute, but where I place the blame, because, because um, in fact, I'm going to go and do that now. The next segment I called it, Politicals Don't Lecture Us. And I want to just tell you why I called it that. Number one, uh, Senator Rick Scott from Florida is out there lamenting about how, I think it was on Sean Hannity or somewhere, lamenting about how the people just didn't turn out. 
That, that's why the midterms happened. The people on our side didn't turn out, and our side didn't give a good enough, consistent, positive message. We didn't message well enough. We have to message better. We have to give them a reason for hope. I'm sorry. That is, I call hogwash on that. It is hogwash BS. The people did turn out. They turned out just like they did in 2010. And they turned out like the results showed in Florida. They turned out. This is Rick Scott not wanting to do with the reality of massive election fraud and instead trying to blame fellow Republicans for not going along with his, whatever it was, 12-point plan, which wasn't bad. It's just, you know, he had a plan about how to take back control of the Republican control of the House and Senate. And he was didn't like that people didn't get behind it. But he's trying after this election to blame the voters for not turning out. And they did turn out. I'm telling you, they turned out just like 2010. And, and for uh, the party for not getting behind his positive messaging, messaging thing. People don't need to hear a lot from Republicans about what they do. They just want the Democrats to stop everything they're doing. Stop everything they're doing. So that's one politico. I don't want to hear lecture us. Um, other ones, I will tell you, friends of mine who ran for office and put nice little messages out afterwards, you know. We have to try better. Turns out we came up short, but thanks, volunteers. We're knocking on doors. We have to have people in power calling out election fraud. If we don't have that, then, then there's no point. They're just making all these, you know, we got to do better outreach, and we have to have more connections in the lower-income communities, and we have to do reach out to people of color. All these messages, and we have to do better messaging about why our side is better. People don't want the Marxist takeover of America. They, and they voted to say that on, on the midterm election day, but, you know, couldn't get their way. The other one is lecturing us, by the way. So if you can believe this, so tomorrow night, Tuesday night, uh, Donald Trump is making his announcement. Uh, it is widely speculated he's going to announce he's running for president in 2024. Although I've heard some insiders saying, no, he's not going to do it. I don't know what he's doing. He's making a big announcement. He's teased it. It's tomorrow night. We'll all know tomorrow night. But tomorrow during the day, there are going to be two uh, on the same day appearances by two seemingly opposite political characters, one being George Bush, one being Barack Obama. But they're really not very opposite at all. They're, they're just, it's a facade that they're opposite of all, really at all. They're both holding uh, different events focused on what they are calling uh, conferences on disinformation and democracy. Disinformation and democracy. And they're both out attacking the people who speak up for truth, the people who speak up for truth about the border, truth about America, truth about election fraud, truth about COVID vaccines, truth about COVID treatments, truth about the thousands of issues facing America. The left has managed to so far manipulate the American people that when they use the word disinformation, meaning things that they are claiming aren't true, that both George W. and Barack Obama, both of them think that they need to step out there and step up for the American people and tell them you're right, you've got to denounce disinformation. Remember where you know the uh, Biden administration tried, or the Obama third term administration tried, to have a disinformation um, organization within the DHS where they were going to announce what pieces of news and what opinions and what facts and what stories could be put out in media or otherwise might be investigated as disinformation. I mean, it was so Orwellian. It was so, you know, uh, Ministry of Truth from George Orwell's story that even they, the Democrats, then holding all the power had to say, okay, never mind, we're not doing that. But they're still doing it. They are trying to set themselves up as the arbiters of what is true. The Obama third term, Biden administration, and Barack Obama and George W. Bush are going right along with it. Disinformation. And disinformation becomes whatever the ruling class doesn't want you to think about and talk about. And this is very, very dangerous because it's extended to this point, extended to this point where mostly even on allegedly conservative websites, you will hear them talk about the midterms and, you know, kind of looking puzzled and, you know, clutching at their pearls or wringing their hands. What happened to the red wave? 
and they all want to analyze it based on something like, well, you know, there was a, uh, turns out that, you know, every time Donald Trump endorsed someone, you know, that was the problem. Donald Trump was the problem. Well, Donald Trump wasn't the problem. He has a stellar record for his, his uh, people he has endorsed winning. And frankly, they won many more than one on, on last Tuesday than the media is admitting. But this idea of former government officials, former presidents getting in the business of George Orwellian Ministry of Truth making speeches about uh, you know, disinformation and democracy, these are, they are the danger. They're trying to say they're warning the American people about the danger. They are the danger, thinking they've somehow been designated to speak about and expose disinformation, which once you understand how radical the left in America is today, how determined they are to take down America, everything they don't want you thinking about and talking about, they will label disinformation. And Barack Obama and George W. Bush are in the same globalist, elitist world they just happen to have a different letter by their name r versus d they are they are one and the same they have the same agenda the same globalist agenda and they're very very frustrated with someone like donald trump because he will speak up and call out what they do i i hope they both i hope no one shows up and i i intend to roundly attack both of them i'll take that back I intend to read what they say and listen to what they say and then tell you what they say. But given that they're calling their, both of them are referring their conferences as dealing with disinformation, I can already tell you where they want to go. They want to tell you that you should really believe mainstream media and believe the Democrat and Republican Party officials and believe the officials of the parties, no matter what they say, instead of actually using your God-given intelligence and your God-given freedom of speech in this country, which includes the freedom to read and listen to what you want to listen to. It's, it's, a, I, I, it's a very dangerous time, people, very dangerous time. And when you have the likes of George W. and Barack going out on the same day, rambling on about disinformation, you know we're in serious times because they're both on the same page of the globalists, with the globalists, very, very happy to sacrifice the sovereignty and uniqueness of America. I do have one more story, but before I get to that, I want to quickly just tell you a couple things. Christmas is coming. Hanukkah is coming. Your family's birthdays are coming. I want to urge you to please consider going to MyPillow.com and running down your entire shopping list right there. There is Mike Lindell, MyPillow.com. These are, I, I will tell you, I promise you from the bottom of my heart, these are really high quality products. Uh, you go to MyPillow.com, you can order sheets, bath towels, slippers, bathrobes, uh, mattress pads, I mean, a whole host of, of really wonderful products. And when you go to MyPillow.com and, and fill out your Christmas list and also get yourself a few things while you're at it. And then um, at the end of your order, it says uh, promo code, actually put in the promo code DebbieG, promo code D-E-B-B-I-E-G, DebbieG. And when you enter that promo code, you get up to 66% off up to 66% off your entire order. So huge savings. I get a small payment. And honestly, folks, this show, so, so shop at MyPillow.com, MyPillow.com. Get your up to 66% discount. Use promo code DEBBIEG, D-E-B-B-I-E-G. Do your Christmas shopping there. It'll help me, help you, help this show stay on air. So I'll tell you, folks, that I have done this um, show since 2014. I have never, never taken a paycheck. Never. Isn't that amazing? I do this show out of love of America. I continue to. However, it's expensive to do this show. So if you shop at MyPillow.com, you can help. And then you also can go to our website, AmericaCanWeTalk.org. AmericaCanWeTalk.org. Up on our website now, by the way, finally, are all of the speeches from our recent Women for Freedom Summit. We had our third annual Women for Freedom Summit. It was a home run times a million. Great, great, great speeches by great Americans. I urge you to go look at that. Um, enjoy uh, you know, all their great speeches. Enjoy our blog posts, our past shows, past interviews. The very popular Why It Matters series is separately posted there. My weekly newsletters, great stuff. And you can also, at the website, you can sign up for a newsletter. I urge you to do that. You just click subscribe. It's a free newsletter once a week. Click subscribe, put your email in. You'll get an email from me once a week uh, on the weekend. 
and also consider donating to support this show. There's a donate button. You can make a donation there. Literally, the show survives on donations. It's a listener-supported show. And you can join America Can We Talk. Join America Can We Talk at the website. Hit join. It's $50 a year, 5 All of our members got a discount uh, ticket price to come to our summit. We are soon having products up at the website. You get a discount on those, but mostly join to support this show. Okay, the last story for today, I'm just going to barely have time to tease it, and then I want to um, tell you about, uh, or I'll, actually, I'll say this before I do the, uh, we do the clip. So everyone's talking about, as we should be talking about, this FTX digital coin, massive bankruptcy. Uh, I mean, just a massive bankruptcy involved with a Ukraine and, um, and a, a guy who has apparently got a lot of very wealthy people to invest a lot of money. The guy is a digital currency created by a guy named Sam Bankman-Fried. Sam Bankman-Fried, his company is called FTX, Digital Coin, and it appears to be a Ponzi scheme, but he got billions invested, money sent over the Ukraine, and they don't, of course, spend all the money that goes over there. But what ends up happening was it goes right into the uh, pockets back to, apparently, Democrat sources. This guy, this founder of this organization, Sam Bankman-Fried, second largest donor to Democrat causes and candidates after Soros. This is the kind of guy he is. Now been caught, apparently, in this massive, massive Ponzi scheme involved in the Ukraine. I'm telling you the story to say, you know, tune in on Thursday to our Thursday show because we will have Kevin Freeman joining us on Thursday in studio, a great guest. He'll be able to explain more about this, about uh, CBDC, central bank, digital currency, a nightmare we want to try to avoid if we can, uh, ESG, all the ways we're involved in economic warfare. It's going to be a stellar program on Thursday. But right now, I'm going to quick play a clip, if you would please, of uh, a guy who might talk faster than I do, trying to explain what happened with FTX. This is Sam Bankman-Fried. People call him SBF. He's the founder of FTX. He also controlled a crypto hedge fund called Alameda Research, but that's all gone now. He wants you to think he's a sweet guy. He even bought in a famous YouTuber who called him the most generous man in the world. Yep, that happened. Truth is, Sam Bankman-Fried is a liar and a crook. His personal crypto FTX token was basically a Ponzi scheme hidden below layers of Moonbro jargon. He even went on Bloomberg's podcast and bragged about it. Yep, that happened. He used his Ponzi token as collateral to borrow billions of real dollars that he couldn't pay back. He then used those real dollars to build an empire out of dying companies like Voyager and BlockFi. This led Jim Cramer to call him the new JP Morgan. That's weird. It's not like Jim Cramer to promote a billionaire con artist. SBF sold people cryptos like Bitcoin, or so they thought. What they really bought from SBF was an IOU. But as long as everyone didn't cash in their IOU at the same time, the scheme worked. Until it didn't. This other a-hole who hates SBF came along and engineered a bank run with some passive-aggressive tweets. It worked. SBF didn't have enough money to repay everyone at once, and now his customers have lost everything. He'll be happy to know that this is exactly how every bank in the world operates. So where did all the money go? He misappropriated $4 billion trying to save his failing hedge fund. Whoops, that's a felony. He spent $21 million on Super Bowl commercials, $5 million for the big guy, $40 million in campaign donations. I wonder what he wanted in return. And everyone who's pointing at this story and saying, This is exactly why we need to regulate crypto. Remember that SBF stole billions. That's already a crime. And he spent a lot of it on bribing politicians. Also a crime. In order to create a crypto monopoly for himself. Government regulations don't protect the customers. They protect the crooks. That's exactly what SBF was trying to do okay i know that was probably hard to follow i'm out of time for today to talk about ftx and ukraine and all that but i want to urge you to recognize this is a good reason a good example this story a good example of why we not need to try to fight in every way possible fight the idea of having our currency taken over by the federal government taken over by digital currency people you'll never have freedom again that, and let me summarize, you'll never have freedom again because you'll always be waiting for the gover government to be over your shoulder saying, well, now that we're in control of currency and we know that all this money was yours, but you know, you didn't do this or you did do this, you're going to be punished. We, this is the most dangerous among many dangerous things the left is trying to do. I close this show every day by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start our show today, uh, Lessons from the Coffee Shop Moms. By the way, they had about melt your heart, these sweet faces. It was wonderful. A Friday gathering of moms and babies at the coffee shop offers hope and frustration. Hope. 
Normalcy of marriage and motherhood is still alive in America. Innocence, purity, unlimited potential of love children is inspiring. A Friday morning mom's group gathering, still a time for joy and friendship. Frustration, a vibe of utter naivete about what is happening in America, i.e., what election? A wrongly conditioned belief that freedom is always natural and present in America. Naivete and ignorance are enemies of America. Freedom isn't free and is existentially at risk in America. Every American needs to wake up and get engaged to save this country. And on stolen elections equals house on fire. There is no time to worry about the pink collar in the bathroom when the house is on fire. Stolen elections in America mean America's entire house is on fire. There can be no repair of America by the American people unless there's actual consent of the governed, which requires honest elections. Debate about political messaging and strategy and the aftermath of the 2022 midterms is akin to debating paint colors for a house on fire. State legislatures must act now. Electronic voting machines must be banned. Vote Amish must be the model. And on politicos, don't lecture us. Elected officials, especially from the GOP, are completely off the mark. We need better Republican messaging. Our people didn't show up. They failed us. We need stronger outreach to XYZ voting group. No, no, and no. None of those ideas are bad ideas. Good messaging, you know, encouraging people to show up, doing outreach. But the reason they are irrelevant right now is America is under the thumb of rigged elections, no different than third world dictatorships. Messaging and outreach are always important, but they were not the problem November 8th. DeSantis' landslide re-election reflected the actual red wave that swept the country. It was apparently allowed while the others were denied because a major mission of today's uniparty deep state is to destroy the political viability of outsider Donald Trump. And finally, Ukraine and the FTX Dem corruption on steroids. FTX cryptocurrency collapse reeks of a sophisticated Ponzi scheme. Money laundering of USA to Ukraine back to U.S. politicos via FTX is in question. FTX founder, CEO, second only to George Soros as leftist Democrat sponsor financier. Zero confidence that collapse of leftist-controlled FTX will be voluntarily prosecuted, but size of the losses in billions may force accountability. Tune in this Thursday, November 17th, to hear Kevin Freeman, expert on economic warfare, will peel back the onion on FTX, ESG, and CBDC. Don't let jargon scare you off from understanding the FTX scandal. It is big. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America? Can you-